everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club Year in Review for 2020. I am your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this special bonus episode. Another year has passed us by, but 2020 won't be forgotten anytime soon. It was an unusual year for basically everybody around the world. Even here in Perth, Western Australia, where the podcast is recorded, we went into lockdown. It wasn't a very long lockdown, uh, unlike most places in the world, Perth, uh, because of its isolated nature and indeed hard border status that the state government introduced here, it meant that after a period of about eight weeks or so, uh, the majority of our lockdown experience began to lift. And indeed, at the time of recording, uh, today being the 2nd of January 2021, Perth, and indeed WA, enjoys a fairly COVID-less lifestyle. Uh, there are still, obviously, uh, ongoing concerns here about um, people maybe not doing enough to try and prevent the spread of the disease, if indeed it ever does make its way into our borders. But regardless, we've had it quite good in some respects. It did affect the podcast, though. While we were in lockdown, we moved to online recordings and like many people around the world we discovered the joys of zoom this year and we had a whole bunch of episodes that were recorded remotely it was an interesting experience and i just want to flag up my thanks and my gratitude to all of our guests who still continued uh, to review films even in this remote way uh, and certainly for me it really helped me um, with having a sense of continuation, a sense of something normal, uh, because like many of you out there experienced, and indeed are still experiencing, uh, life got interrupted and was upturned. And in my own case, um, a lot of the work that I did moved entirely online, so I was in a position of not leaving the house, not just for lockdown reasons, but because... I didn't need to. It was a very strange experience, so at least having the podcast there as something to focus on and take my mind off the world for a few hours, it was it was very good uh, from a mental health perspective. So a big thank you to everyone who helped in the making of the programme, and to you, the listener, for listening and for giving me that purpose and that outlet. Thank you very much. But that's enough about COVID and the wider implications of a pandemic. Let's focus on the films we reviewed in 2020. Here on this programme, we reviewed 53 films over the course of the year, uh, a big variety, some of which were recent releases, such as last year's Best Picture winner Green Book, and we went back as far as 100 years ago, reviewing The Cabinet of Dr Caligari on the occasion of its 100th anniversary. A whole scope of different types of films, animation, comedy, horror, westerns, Christopher Nolan films featured a couple of times. There was a big variety. So what we're going to be doing today, as indeed we did last year, is this little program is going to look at the top five and bottom five films of the year, based on the rankings given by myself and my two guests each week. Of course, the guests change every week, so scoring is a little bit inconsistent. And indeed, as we say in basically every episode... The scores are just a sort of arbitrary reflection of how we felt about the film. Applying maths to something critical like this is maybe not the wisest thing, but it more just gives you a sense of where we were all at. So, let's begin with the top five films. Number 
Now, Girl Interrupted I hadn't seen before, and I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it got an average score from myself and the two guests of 9.16 out of 10. A uh, fantastic cast, very well performed, very well written, um, really, really superb. If you haven't seen the film, I would highly recommend it. Dr. Ellen Sears picked it uh, primarily because uh, we let her. She reached 20, 25 episodes as a panellist, so we let her pick the episode. This is what she picked. I'm really glad she did because it, it's a really interesting look at the idea of uh, mental health, particularly during the 1960s in America, where it was maybe not the most well-explored um, area, and certainly the treatments offered were not terribly uh, brilliant. But it was also a really compelling story and some fantastic acting from Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolie, along with the rest of the cast, but those two are the standouts. At number four, technically joint fourth, I guess, because it also got 9.16, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Getting to do the Terminator trilogy was a really interesting and varied experience because we'll be talking about another Terminator film a little later on. But Terminator 2 Judgment Day remains pretty much the outstanding action film of the 1990s and perhaps even in Hollywood history. It is phenomenal. Arnold Schwarzenegger is superb. Uh, Linda Hamilton is superb. Uh, basically, everybody is superb. The T-1000 is a terrifying villain. The effects, which are close to 30 years old, still hold up. They may not look brilliant, they may not have the fidelity of, of modern work, but they work for the way that this film is presented. It's a very compellingly told story, and it was a real joy to watch. Definitely, definitely watch that one if you want to see a good action film. At number three, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, 100 years old and still knocking it out of the park with an average score of 9.32 out of 10. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is considered to be the, the birth film or the uh, progenitor of the horror genre in film, and it's easy to see why. It was a restoration copy we watched. It had been restored and uh, put into a very high level of definition. And obviously it's a black and white film and it has no talking. It was all music that accompanied it. But it was absolutely captivating. A really, really wonderful film. And interesting from a film history perspective, but also just an interesting story and an interesting uh, way of presenting um a, a horror tale, something that in our contemporary viewing we're more used to the idea of uh, horror films looking hyper real, whereas this felt more like it belonged in a storybook. The way that the sets were painted gave it a sort of pop-up book look. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is absolutely worth watching, particularly if you can get one of these uh, nicely restored versions. Uh, it, is, it is incredible, so give it a watch. At number two, Goodfellas. Boy oh boy is Goodfellas an absolute riot. Um, it was really kind of a fantastic watch. Mob movies, I have to admit, I quite like them. I think, I think I'm think i sort of more getting on the side of going, you know, I think that these are quite good films and they're something that I quite enjoy, even though the characters that they usually depict are not the sorts of um, people I find terribly interesting or that or that nice but obviously 
it's not the point. Um, Good Goodfellas is just a really well told story, a really well acted story. Um, it's it's a little bit tragic at parts, uh, but it is just an absolute rip roaring riot. It's an absolutely it, it's it's tour de force. It, it's what the term tour de force was invented for, and obviously it's it's got so many uh, iconic things about it. I mean, the poster itself feels iconic with our three leads just presented up there with the... We see the faces and the collars and a little bit of De Niro's arms crossed and that's it. But, you know, Joe Pesci is absolutely on fire in this film. Um, Ray Liotta is superb. Like, this is just a really great cast, a really great film, um, and just just superb. Give it, give it a watch. We gave Goodfellas... 9.33 out of 10. That was the average score across the three um, of us who were watching it. And it's it's excellent. It's really good. So I would absolutely say if you need to watch a mob movie, for whatever reason, Goodfellas is a fantastic choice. At number one, and the only film to get a 10 out of 10 score from everybody who watched it, The Muppet Movie from 1979. This film was watched in the middle of our lockdown, and it's the only film on the top five that we watched during the lockdown. Um, and I do think that part of the reason why this film has gotten such high scores is because it was pure escapism. It was pure joyful escapism, which uh, I think as an audience, I know I certainly really appreciated, and I think the other guests absolutely did as well. But even taking out that factor, it's still an incredibly well-told story with puppets. Um, the, the Muppets are a, a collection of characters who people have grown up with, have lived their whole lives with in a lot of cases, and they hold a very special place in a lot of people's hearts. I've said it before and I've said it again, in fact I will say it again, that I think the best Christmas film ever made is the Muppets Christmas Carol, um, because there's something about the way that these Muppet characters um, behave and these sorts of roles and emotions that they uh, inhabit and can put forward, I think that um, allow us to to look at ourselves and to look at certain concepts in a very unique light. The Muppet movie itself is a fun, farcical road trip, but it's so beautifully presented, and you know, it's got Rainbow Connection, just an absolutely gorgeous song. The way that the film ends with all of those puppets together in that space, with hundreds of puppeteers operating them, it's ambitious, it's great, it's still very funny. So the Muppet movie is our film of the year. It got 10 out of 10, an average of 10 out of 10, obviously. And if you are feeling a little bit down and you don't mind a little bit of puppet fun, Put on the Muppet movie tonight. I think I think it might give you the lift that we could all use with as we go forward into 2021. Got the lowest scores, um, and 
that is not to say that these are bad films. They were just the five films that didn't quite achieve as much as the others. Although, in one or two cases, it would actually probably be fair to say that they are bad films. But let's let's get to that. Uh, at number five in our worst film list, it's Inception. Uh, Inception only got a 4.33 out of 10 on average. Now, for me personally, I think it's a little unlucky to be in the in the bottom five. Um, I look at some of the films that finish slightly above it, like Tropic Thunder, Father of the Bride, Green Book, um, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, even something like The Rocketeer. I think Inception is, on paper, a, a better film than those films. But I also can't ignore the fact that both of the guests who were on that episode um, really felt quite alienated by by the film and also by the fact that Inception I think suffers from a home watching because it was a film that was so made for the cinema. Uh, Christopher Nolan is a director that I quite like. I, I will say I haven't seen Tenet. Uh, I did not get out to see that one this uh, year just gone but um, I think his Batman films are really good. I really, really like The Dark Knight. I think that's still one of the standout superhero films. And Memento, a film we reviewed in 2020 as well, did really well. It finished about middle of the pack. Um, and I, I thought that Memento was an absolutely superb film. Inception suffers, I think, because what is special about it is more special in a cinematic setting and in a sort of home evening movie watching thing it's not a movie that you can tune out of and if you do tune out of it it's extremely hard to tune back in there are also issues with the script and specifically how characters are written although the performances i will say are very good it's a good cast and ultimately i think if you haven't seen inception before you might enjoy it more than going back to it. I certainly found that I did not enjoy it as much going back to it. Um, but, yeah, a little unlucky to be here, but it is our fifth lowest-ranked film of the year. At number four, Chariots of Fire. I think Chariots of Fire is um, doing quite well to only be the fourth bottom film on this list because it is perhaps the most boring film of the 53 we reviewed in 2020 from my perspective um the vangelis score yeah it's great it's been mimicked a bajillion times but chariots of fire when i reflect on it i remember almost nothing i, I like I, in terms of feelings i remember events i remember characters but i remember basically just kind of feeling nothing in this film um and it is still very surprising to me that this was a Best Picture winner. Um, and it's it's just not a great film, I have to be perfectly frank. Um, you might like it, and that's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, Chariots of Fire, I, I really think, suffers um, from, from a contemporary watching. At number three, it's Guys and Dolls from 1955. It's fine. It's only fine, and in fact, in some parts, it's slightly less than fine. It's a bit confused and silly. Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando are perfectly serviceable leads in this film. They they do okay. I actually think that Marlon Brando is maybe bordering on being pretty good in this film. But it's also a film that 
the film suffers not because it's a musical, but because the musical itself is not brilliant. Um, we've we've been spoilt with a lot of really good musical film adaptions, both from the 1950s when this film was made and in the decades subsequently. And Guys and Dolls, as a musical, doesn't really do much. And the adaptation that they do here also doesn't do much to differentiate itself uh, and make itself stand out. Um, a couple of good songs... And I, I I gave this one a 5 out of 10. Its average score was 4 out of 10. Um, and I think it's it's certainly watchable, but in a rainy Sunday afternoon, I'm not really paying attention kind of way. It's almost a film that you could watch and drift out of like Inception, but not suffer for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bit on the average side. So that's Guys and Dolls. At number two, Eric the Viking. The... Uh, passing of Terry Jones at the start of the year was obviously very sad for everyone. He'd been unwell for quite a long time, and so we decided to watch Eric the Viking to uh, mark his passing. Of course, he's in the film, he directed the film, and it is not very good, I'm afraid. It's it's not a terrible film, but it is a comedy that just feels like a sort of a low-rent Monty Python, and in a way... It kind of is. There's certainly good ideas in there. There's certainly good good aspects. I think the the opening scene um, with Eric and the woman from the village when the Vikings are pillaging and looting and raping um, people in the village and the discussion of what that actually means, I think, is quite a good premise. And there's a few other bits and pieces which are quite good premises, but the execution is a bit all over the place. So, unfortunately, Eric the Viking is, is not a good film. Um, and I would have to say it's probably not worth watching. Um, I think there are other uh, Terry Jones comedy vehicles that are better even away from Monty Python, which exists and you should probably watch instead. Eric the Viking scored only 3.66 out of 10, and um, I I think that's actually a fair score for it, so you can still watch it. It's still there, but I wouldn't necessarily encourage it. And at number one, our lowest ranked film of the year with a score on average of 2.33 out of 10, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. It's not great. That's pretty much universally agreed, but I think that Terminator 3 suffers because of Terminator 2 and indeed the original Terminator. So reviewing the Terminator trilogy was really fascinating. Terminator 1, to give you an example, uh, finished with a score of about 7.16 out of 10 on average, uh, which puts it at number 28 in our list for the year. So almost almost bang in the middle, basically. And obviously Terminator 2, we mentioned before, it finished in our top five. It finished uh, joint fourth with Girl Interrupted, 9.16. So coming from two films which started off as being pretty good, then great, this third film is a real muddled mess it it feels as though it just does not have anything new to add to the idea of the Terminator and the Terminator franchise up until maybe the twist ending. Uh, the twist ending being, uh, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know, stop listening now, but the twist ending being that uh, the Terminator did not come back to necessarily save John Connor's life and stop Armageddon he came back to just make sure that John Connor survived Armageddon. 
And that's a really kind of cool ending and a cool sort of twist where Armageddon does happen uh, a few years later than the original films were saying was saying it would happen, but it still happens and we know that John survives and he's in the room and he hears all the radio calls and it sort of cements everything in place for right okay now he's gonna grow up to be the resistance leader and fight Skynet and be the John Connor that sends the Terminators back in um, Terminator 2 and of course the, the freedom fighter in Terminator 1 so there's there's interesting ideas there but it's just not terribly well put together. The set pieces are not necessarily anything that hadn't been seen before. And I think that's part of the problem is Terminator 2 sort of revolutionized the way that action films were shot and were produced. And, you know, it's it's got a really amazing aesthetic to it as well. And Terminator 3 is not one of the outstanding action films of the early 2000s. Indeed, the way we were looking at um, films in the 2000s was changing quite a lot because of films like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was changing our sort of view of the spectacular action set pieces to be these large grand scale battles. Um, Obviously, a Terminator film, they felt they couldn't do that for this one, uh, beyond obviously a few glimpses of the war in the future. But Terminator 3 also just generally suffers because John Connor and his associated characters are not written as well as Sarah Connor and her interactions with uh, other characters, and indeed the Terminators were, in the first two films. It finishes bottom of the pile for the year, the only film to have been given a 1 out of 10 by somebody who was watching it. Uh, It wasn't me, I gave it 4. But it It's not wonderful, and it does finish bottom of our list for films we reviewed in 2020. And before we finish, a few honourable mentions. Films which stood out over the course of the year, and even though they didn't finish in the top five, and indeed avoided the shame of being in the bottom five, these are still films which stood out for various reasons. Dirty Dancing, which just missed out on being in the top five at number six uh, on, on our list with 9.1 out of 10 of the average score, is a really, really great story, really well told and very compelling. Um, Dirty Dancing is absolutely worth a watch. Blues Brothers. I'd never seen the Blues Brothers until this year, and I'm very glad that I have now. It is an absolute joy. Indeed, Coco is also an absolute joy. Very different reasons for the Blues Brothers, but Coco was a really outstanding animated film. Uh, it was one of the films we watched in lockdown, and it's 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 definitely worth seeing. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Seven was the only other film I gave 10 out of 10 to this year, aside from uh, the Muppet movie. Seven really impressed me. I I was not expecting Seven to be as good as it was, and I think it really captures a a noir feel in a contemporary setting. Obviously, it's not the 1990s now, but it it has a sort of timeless quality to it. It's, It's gritty, it's dark, the performances are so good. It, it's so good that 
Kevin Spacey's in it, and I still kind of want to watch it. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 a really really fantastically told, fantastically performed thriller. Uh, not for the faint of heart. Um, there are moments that will shock, and there are moments that will make you feel queasy, but it is it is sensational and uh, absolutely just needed to be to be mentioned. Uh, this was also the year that we watched Hamilton. We, you know, bent the rules slightly, but it did get released on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we watched it. We had uh, five reviewers on that one, as opposed to the usual three. And it largely did very well, an average of 8.6 out of 10 from the five reviewers. Um, Hamilton is a pretty incredible experience. I've been very fortunate to have seen it perform live. And seeing it on the screens uh, with Disney+, Plus, it's... It is as good as you're going to get in terms of watching it without going to a theatre and being able to see it. It's it's worth a watch, particularly if you have not seen it before. Uh, and the final film I want to give a special shout out to is one that was directed by one of our guests, uh, An Ideal Host. It was uh, filmed a couple of years ago and was edited together and released in 2020. Robert Woods, of course, the director uh, and frequent contributor to this programme, uh, puts together a really interesting film, details of which I'm not going to go into here, because if you haven't seen it and you get the opportunity to, I think it's better if you don't know much about it. Uh, it got an average score of 6.83 out of 10, so by our ranking, that put it at number 33 in our list of 53 films for the year, which means that not only did it finish above the bottom five films we mentioned before, but it also finished above films such as... Home Alone, Goldfinger, Top Gun, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, The Lost Boys, and Babe in our ranking, uh, which is pretty, pretty good going, and indeed finished on the exact same score as films such as Walk the Line and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So it's it's a really good film. Uh, I think it's definitely worth a watch, and certainly given that it is an independently produced film, it really holds its own. It's screening at a number of uh, festivals around the world, particularly in the USA and in England, a lot of um, sort of uh, horror-based festivals. So give it a look if you can and um, and enjoy something made in our backyard, our very big West Australian backyard, but definitely worth a watch. And also Robert very kindly allowed uh, me to interview him in his capacity as the director, that interview is also available on the feed, um, and it was a real pleasure to to interview him and talk about the film and sort of pick his brains about how the film was put together. So, an ideal host, absolutely worth your time. So that brings us to the end of this miniature episode, looking back on the year of 2020 and the films that were watched in it. Once again, a very big thank you to everyone that took part in the programme this year, particularly during the lockdown period for us. And for any of you out there listening in the world who have been uh, in lockdown for a significant period of time, and if you've been listening to this programme, my sincerest hope is that it has helped you in your life, in your living day-to-day in very unusual circumstances, and I hope that you'll be able to listen 
to episodes in 2021 and future years in much more comfortable and joyous circumstances. Um, We are going to be continuing. We are still doing an episode a week for the year of 2021, or at least that's the plan. So keep an ear out for that. There is, of course, the Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. So go over there if you want some extra bonus goodies. Uh, We have the Facebook page. If you've not liked it already, give it a like and you'll get news and updates on the program there. And of course, subscribing means that you don't have to worry about finding it every week going, ah, where's this program I like? What's it called again? Just hit subscribe and we send it to you. Technically, Podcast RSSs send it to you, but you get it. You get those episodes. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, any of those services, you can find us there. So just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And finally, 2020 was quite a good year for me personally. Um, I know in these various weekly dispatches, I occasionally mention things from my life. Um, I have submitted my PhD for examination. I don't know if that's actually been mentioned at any point. Um, I won't know for some time. Uh, it's normal. It's normally a couple of weeks to even a couple of months um, between submission and receiving it back from examination. Um, but it is in, uh, and it is a project that has been ongoing for the entirety of this podcast life. I started the PhD about nine months before I started the podcast, so it's been very strange to not have to think about the PhD in a work sense in the last couple of weeks. Uh, But that is in, and of course, if and when um, it gets confirmed or I get to put the the doctor title on, I will be sure to let you know. Uh, And of course, I also got married last year in October, last year to uh, the wonderful Dr. Ellen Sears, um, who has been my... Uh, loving partner for the last seven and a bit years now uh, the the wedding happened we were able to have it basically like a normal wedding because of uh, the nature of um, the, the lack of community transmission here in Western Australia we were able to hold it almost like we would have held a pre-COVID wedding obviously no international guests which was um, uh, you know sad but we were able to do it with a large group of people uh, many of which you have heard on this program. We had quite a few podcasters there um, who have been on this program, and it was just a really lovely time. And I just bring it up because it was it was really lovely, and it was something very nice that happened. And we did get messages from people uh, who are listeners to this program, and it was just very touching to hear from some of you um, who we know through the podcast. Um, and and hearing your your well wishes, they were they were all very much appreciated, and um, yeah, it it just made me very happy in in so many ways. So thank you for them. Thank you for listening in in the year twenty twenty. If you have, and if you're relatively new and you're giving us a listen in twenty twenty one or any time afterwards, hey, thank you for joining us and joining the party. I look forward to reviewing another fifty or so films in the year twenty twenty one. And I also look forward to giving them all to you to listen to. But that is all for this special mini-episode. So, until next time, goodbye!
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.